It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Michael Gottstein at Chagas looks at the sheep situation. Pat Lahan, a farmer who also cultivates and sells Christmas trees. Darren Carty from the Irish Farmers Journal looks at the acres scheme and aspects of sheep production. Also ploughing from Cork West and Cork East. The ICSA presidential election is taking place on 14th of December. The contest to become the next national president of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association has begun, with two candidates in the running following the conclusion of the formal nomination process. The candidates are Dermot Kelleher, County Cork. Mr Kelleher is a suckler farmer from Inchigila in West Cork. He's the current national president of ICSA and is aiming to continue his tenure for another two years. Mr Kelleher previously served as chair of the ICSA's Soccer Committee and also as ICSA Munster Vice President. Mr Sean McNamara, County West Meath. Mr McNamara is a sheep, beef and suckler farmer from Liz McCaffrey in County West Meath. He currently holds the position of ICSA Sheep Chair a position he's held for four years. The election will take place in the Midlands Park Hotel in Port Leisure on the evening of Wednesday, 14th of December. Proceedings on the night will begin at 7pm. Each candidate will make a presentation to the Association's National Executive, which will be followed by a question-and-answer Q&A session with the candidates. The votes will follow, with a result expected at 9pm. Speaking after attending leaders' questions in Doyle Aaron on Tuesday, 8th of December, the IFA Farm Business Chair, Ms Rosemary MacDonough, said the government isn't fully grasping what she called the inequity of the residential zoned land tax, RZLT, on farmers. And the reality, she said, that this penal tax, as she called it, would force farmers to sell land that they rely on to generate an income for themselves and their families but they're also getting calls from farmers who have residential zoned and service land on the markets for years, but simply can't find a buyer for it. Miss MacDonough claimed it was inequitable to impose what she termed this penal tax. And the Sinn Féin leader, Miss Mary Lou MacDonald, promised that Sinn Féin, her party, was no threat to farm capital assets. Addressing the annual general meeting of the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association, ICMSA, recently, 
She balanced praising the dairy sector, which she said had helped Ireland to come through the financial crisis faster than we would otherwise have done. She acknowledged Sinn Féin's traditional support based amongst farmers. Sinn Féin, she said, made no secret of and no apologies for their support of smaller and poorer farmers, those in peripheral regions and on marginal land, those in our circular and sheep sectors. Miss Mary Lou Macdonald said Sinn Féin was committed to ensuring that Ireland would meet our emission targets. Miss Macdonald went on to say that will involve hard decisions for agriculture. She accused the government parties of missing, quote, every climate target they'd set for themselves, describing it as disingenuous for the government to point the finger at farmers and suggest it's the farmers' fault. The Sinn Féin leader, Miss Macdonald, told the ICMSA AGM that she understood and her party understood that working assets, farm assets, were of course distinct from other assets which her party would look to capture in a wealth tax. Part of a long statement there in Mary Lou Macdonald's address to the ICMSA AGM. More details in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, a fuller report from Mr Pat O'Toole, political correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Caroline, welcome to the programme. You've an update now on ploughing matters in the best of the county in Cork West. Yes, John, thank you very much. Uh, Carmore Ploughing Association held their annual ploughing match on Saturday, the 3rd of December, on the lands of Stephen Tobin, Gary Moore, Arfield. Results are as follows Senior Conventional, first, Jim Grace, second, Kieran Coakley. Third, Dennis Dunn, and fourth, Jerk Kirby. Under 28 conventional, first, Aidan O'Donovan, second, Niall O'Driscoll. Under 21 conventional, first, Noel Lyon, second, Jeff Witchley. Intermediate, first, John A. O'Donovan, second, Sandy Dean, third, Jackie O'Driscoll. And one competitor in the Macra, and that was James Jennings. The ladies, uh, we had Stacey O'Sullivan first and Katie Hayes second. The standard three furrow, first Matthew Coakley, second Kevin O'Driscoll, third Daryl Maguire. The senior reversible, first Ger Coakley, second Michael Witcherly. Three furrow reversible, one competitor again, Timmy Lawler. And in the vintage trailer, we had John Wolfe. The senior hydraulic vintage, first Ger Collins. Second, Dennis Commons. Third, Mike Coomey. Confined hydraulic vintage, Sean McCarthy. And in the single fur class, we had Gordon Jennings. Now, I, at this time, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you, John, and C103 for your help during the year and to wish you all a happy and peaceful and safe Christmas and New Year. Many happy returns, Caroline. Thank you very much for giving us all those regular reports from the Cork West Ploughing Association matches. Caroline Jennings, thank you very much indeed. Caroline is Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association, and hopefully you'll have a very enjoyable festive season. Thank you, Caroline. Same to you, John. Thank you. Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, welcome to the programme. You've uh, news now of uh, ploughing results. Thanks very much, John. That's correct. Yeah, Banfield went ahead last Sunday, the 4th of December, um, and made the right decision as it happened, even though the weather is very iffy at the moment, because we had a lovely fine day, 
a super size, so everything went off fine. And these are the results from Bampier. Cinder Open, first Dennis Dunn, second Michael Hammond, and third Joe Tomey. The family race last one, competitor Orla Hayes, the novice Billy O'Connell, classic two for a Damien Hill, three for a match, first Matthew Coakley, and second Jim Barris. The two for a single reversible, Penny Harrington. The single for a vintage, Trevor Fleming. The two for a hydraulic vintage, first, Tom Bozang. Second, Phelan Cossel. And third, Henry McGrath. So those are the results from Antille on last Sunday, John the 4th of December. And as I say, worked out fine for everybody. Lovely fine day and everything went not fine. And we had a super side, so that makes all the difference. Now, next... Tomorrow, next Sunday, tomorrow, the 11th, Bartholomew are hoping to go ahead, weather permitting again. And this site is just off the village of Radcarmock, out of Linville Road, a quarter of a mile or even less, out of Linville Road from Radcarmock Village, if anybody is interested. And if anybody wants to contact Dermot Dargan on his phone number, 87 indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, Philip. Thanks, Thanks, John. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr. Darren Carty, the Sheep and Schemes Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Darren, welcome to the programme. Now, in recent months, we've been looking at the Acre Scheme. Could you please bring our listeners up to date where we are with the Acre Scheme? I understand it's proving quite popular. Yeah, very popular, John. And we would have talked, I suppose, about the applications maybe been I won't say low at the beginning but they wouldn't have been just say uh, bombing on so they wouldn't but in the last week there's been a real surge in applications over 15,000 applications Uh, we believe John somewhere between 37 and 40,000 applications the the department so the scheme closed Wednesday night we're still waiting for a final figure from the Department of Agriculture but what we are told is it could be as high as 40,000. Now, that'd be, if it did hit 40,000 figure, it'd be 10,000 above the targets or the, the number of places that are available under this tranche. Would Minister McConnell have the opportunity or the power to perhaps extend the limits, extend the number of people who'd be allowed into the scheme, the acre scheme? You would hope, John, that he has flexibility in doing that, that uh, in some of the CAP meetings that we had, that question was put to the Department of Agriculture uh, personnel uh, speaking at those meetings, and they said actually on it that they had been instructed uh, to look at all avenues to, to try and increase or to try and support farmers who would have been out of, uh, say, an environmental scheme in 2023. That, as we know, there's 50,000 finishing up this year, uh, there was 30,000 places, so it would have left potentially 20,000 people out of that. So there is an appetite, I think, on Minister McConnell Logue's uh, side, if he is told the department to look at what options, hopefully 
this will uh, provide them with maybe an option of, of maybe sorting some of those farmers. We've seen it before with the REAP, uh, the, re, the results-based uh, uh, environment agri pilot that was in place for the last two years is that there was 10,000 applications. First, there was 3,000 places, and then they got funding for 5,000. So hopefully, John, fingers crossed that, uh, that more farmers than the 30,000 can get taken in. Turning to the Irish Farmers Journal, another article and review overview you have there, Saturday, 10th of December, 2022. You point out a final chance to submit organic scheme applications and another scheme, the fodder support scheme. The fodder support scheme, that seems to be, again, increasing in popularity. Almost uh, 95% of the 70,000 farmers have indicated they would like to join. Yep, so uh, some farmers would have received payment for say the 2022 scheme in the last week, our payments are ongoing. Uh, the reason the department have opened the 2023 scheme is to get an advance payment out to farmers, hopefully uh, before year end. Uh, now, farmers won't actually be cutting, or that they won't. It's based on last year's payment. But as you say, there was uh, over 67,000. I think the figure was 67,451 farmers indicated that they wanted to be involved in the 2023 scheme so they will get an advance payment and then they can decide say next year it'll be uh, possibly May, June and July what area that they'll be putting in for and that'll either maintain their payment or it could it, it could tweak it if somebody wanted to reduce significantly the area that they're paid on say this side of the, of the new year. Well that's going ahead because it, it appeared to have a sort of contradiction built in Earlier, some weeks ago, you clarified, you know, why people will be getting something from the 2023 scheme when the 2022 scheme was still open. But payments have commenced and are ongoing and the follow support scheme is working well. Now, you point out final chance to submit organic scheme applications. Yep. So 11.59 Friday night, the 9th of December will be the last uh, chance in this tranche to get the organic scheme application in. Uh, there is quite a number of, of applications actually coming in, say, yesterday and today. As you can imagine, farmers or the advisors were under serious pressure with acres, and some advisors had left organic application to finish for today. So that has brought through a good few applications. We're told that possibly about a thousand new applicants in so far uh joined that with a significant rollover of say farmers that will be finished their contracts in 2022 and going into it it should leave over 3,000 organic farmers uh in the scheme next spring how that compares to the current scheme uh you're looking at the say the current figure this year would have been about 1650 so you'd be saying a doubling in the number of organic farmers in the country well, that's uh, very good news. Uh, two schemes there where people might have, um, you know, been thinking for too long before acting, but certainly indications are they're proving popular, and it would be great if the acre scheme could be expanded by the Minister on reflection and let more people in because of the great response. A bit late, of course, but a, a great response. Turning to sheep, of course, as the sheep and schemes editor, you would have had an interest there in the sheep improvement scheme. The IFA point out there are some aspects of this sheep improvement scheme they'd like clarified, not least 
the closing date of 19th of December. Just overviewing the sheep improvement scheme, is that a, a scheme that's going to prove popular and are you aware of any of the questions, the issues which the IFA and some flock owners would have? Uh, definitely, John. Uh, it, it's a very popular scheme. There's been, say, the current, uh, I suppose, uh, scheme, the sheep welfare scheme, uh, is very similar to the sheep improvement scheme. There is some slight changes. Uh, there has been the department that came out this week and they said that they're extending the closing days out to the 9th of January to give farmers and advisors more time to familiar to familiarise themselves uh, with the scheme. As you say, the IFA and other farm organisations have uh, pointed out or highlighted a few challenges with it. We've also wrote about it last week. The main one being in that if, say, the, one of the most popular measures in it is pregnancy scanning. Now, the current scheme finishes on the 31st of January in 2023, and the first year of the new scheme starts on the 1st of February and runs to the end of the year. Anybody who scans in January wouldn't have fulfilled the pregnancy scanning uh, action if they're, say, in year one. So that is something, a challenge that has been there. It's, it, there has been a lot of calls on it, but the department have said this week is that they're aware of that and that they have moved to, I suppose, put in options for farmers. So the one thing farmers can do is they can change to a different option in the scheme for one year and then revert back into, say, the pregnancy scanning for year two onwards. Or there's also another action that, that farmers have to do one is either in year one, year two, or year three, and that's purchased the genotyped ram. And if they purchase that ram in year one, it'll also suffice uh, to satisfy that pregnancy scanning, uh, say, requirement. So that's good to see. Look, it was there was a lot of farmers worried, a lot of farmers concerned about that, and whether or not that they'd be able to join the scheme and avail of the options they wanted. And it's good to see. Look, uh, common sense has prevailed on that and that uh, farmers will be able to apply now. And I'd say probably you'll see a ramp-up of applications given that that news is out now at the moment. And, of course, Darren, it's always very encouraging, and it's nice to see the department and the minister are listening to the issues, and in some cases where it's possible or practical, they will amend the requirements. But as regards the closing date for the sheep improvement scheme, it has actually been extended now to the 9th of January, so it has been extended this week. Uh, the department said there was all that was going on, say with advisors being busy at Acres, and with a couple of changes around the introduction of the genotype ram, and with a bit of confusion around, say, the scanning one, is that they've given uh, farmers more time, and they have to have it done by the 9th of January. And just before we go, Darren, I know this is something you've expounded on in great detail following the sheep report, the establishment of an Irish wool brand for sheep wool. You're keeping your eye there on any progress towards establishing an Irish wool brand. Yes, uh, so there has been an Irish... Uh, well, uh, Minister Pippa Hackett uh, has said this, say there has been... The funding is there to, to set up an Irish wool board or an Irish wool council. Uh, now, that hasn't been set up yet, uh, but we hope this, uh, to see something on that soon, definitely before or in advance of the new season. Because look, at it, It's something that, at the moment, as you say, like 
there's so much talk uh, worldwide about sustainability, about the use of fossil fuels, about use of single-use plastics, and here we have a fantastic, renewable, uh, fully biodegradable product, and the demand is on the floor for it. So anything that can increase or uh, the profile of wool or that can add more of a market or generate more of a market can only be seen as a good thing. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Darren Carty, Sheep and Schemes Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, for that valuable information there and great news indeed to find the Sheep Improvement Scheme, the closing date, the deadline for entries extended now to 9th of January 2023, and that must uh, indeed uh, warm the hearts of some people who've been campaigning for just that kind of outcome. Thank you, Darren, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr. Michael Godstein, Head of Sheep Programme, Knowledge Transfer Department, Chagas Codrum in McCroom. Michael, welcome to the programme. Now, looking at the Sheep Improvement Scheme, there are a number of sections connected with that scheme. It's in some ways uh, a scheme that's got elements of the earlier sheep welfare scheme. But you might outline to our listeners the main components of the sheep improvement scheme as we know it at the moment. Yeah, John, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so look, at uh, as you mentioned, the sheep improvement scheme is the, the new sheep scheme. And it's very, very similar in a lot of ways to the old sheep welfare scheme that has been going on there for the last six or seven years, uh, but has a couple of of, of distinct new aspects to it that, that people just need to be aware of, I suppose. The first one is that you're not going to get a letter in the post um, to apply for it, an application form per se. Um, so that's a big difference from the, the sheep welfare scheme. The, this scheme is basically it's an online application through your ag food system. So if you're logged in and signed up to the Department of Agriculture Ag Food, you can do that yourself by just logging on and, and ticking the various different boxes. Or if, if that's something that... Uh, your Chagask advisor or private consultant does for you, then you can contact them and they'll be able to do that. In, in terms of, of um, the scheme, similar to the last one, we have uh, there's two categories of actions that every farmer needs to, to complete, one of each. So there's a category A action and a category B action. The actions, again, are very similar to the last scheme. So for the lowland sheep flocks on the category A action, Farmers have to select from one of the following three, so that's lameness control, mineral supplementation of the ewes after mating, or parasite control, which is a fecal egg count, two fecal egg counts in the lambs. On a hill flock, so a flock that's designated as hill, so that's where 50% or more of the sheep have been designated as hill in your sheep census, um, mineral supplementation of the ewes post-mating, um, meal feeding your lambs post-weaning, or a parasite control, which is one fecal egg count of the lambs for, within four weeks of weaning, uh, four weeks post weaning. So the farmers select one of those um, actions. And then there are category B actions. And again, those are very similar to, to the last time. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So we've got scanning and recording of the results for the lowland sheep or fly strike control. So farmers will pick one of those options or on the hillside of the house, people will have to pick either the scanning or mineral supplementation of the lambs pre-weaning and they can only pick that one if they haven't done the meal feeding of the lambs um, post-weaning as a category A action. So again, same story as with the sheep welfare scheme. You pick an A action and a B action and you carry those out, those out each year. Um, the difference, I suppose, with this new scheme, John, is that there is also a genotyped RAM task and that's a mandatory task. So every farmer have to comply with with this. Um, so basically for a lowland where somebody is buying a lowland ram, uh, a, a ram of a lowland breed, the ram has to be um, lamb plus recorded and star rated. So it has to have a star rating of four or five stars on either the terminal or the replacement index. And the ram has to be genotyped and scrapey type one, two uh, or three. So those are the two um, bars that that particular ram has to, to meet to be eligible for the scheme and the farmers has to pick what year they're going to buy the ram in. So all farmers will have to buy a ram in the first three years of the scheme and where the farmer has more than 150 yos, so 151 or more yos, the farmer has to buy two rams in the lifetime of the scheme. Again, the first one in the first three years and the second one then any year after the first one has been purchased. Now, people are, there's a lot of noise out there, I suppose, people are worrying, are these rams available? And look at, you know, we are confident that there is a significant number, about 70% of recorded rams, um, if they're genotyped by the breeders, will be able to tick those boxes for, for being scheme eligible. So there shouldn't be an issue with um, ram supply on the lowland ram breed sites. On the hill rams, John, it's a little bit more complex and, and complicated. And the reason why it is, is because... I suppose a lot of the hill sheep breeders um, and breeding groups don't have a flock book and they're they're not into performance recording and they don't have star rated sheep. So in that situation, we don't need, the, the ram doesn't need to be star rated, but the ram needs to be genotyped and sire verified. So that means that basically the ram needs to have a genotype taken from him, but also that ram sire has to have been genotyped. And there's a little bit of thinking for sheep breeders that are going to supply these rams around making sure that all that happens. Again, the ram needs to be scrapey type one, two or three. And again, look at most of the sheep that we're genotyping are, are falling into those three categories. So very important, I suppose, that people uh, sign up for this scheme. It's 12 euros per year. Um, the closing date for, for applications has been extended to the 9th of January. 
It's an online application, so people won't be getting a form in the post. And if you don't join this year, um, you cannot join in subsequent years unless you're a new entrant. Okay, so anyone who has sheep and has had sheep for the last couple of years um, and isn't deemed a new entrant into sheep, um, they have to join this year or they won't be able to join um, in in the subsequent years um, down the road. So important that people recognize that. You know, some people are saying, oh, sure, look, at, I won't join this year. I might join next year. You won't be able to do that. Um, so you need to join this year if you want to be in the scheme. You need to do that by the 9th of January. It's online, so either if you have your own login, do it yourself or contact your, your, your advisor and look at all the rest of the things, their genotype, RAM and, and those types of things. We'll sort all those out when people are in the scheme. We'll have a, a, a lot of awareness around that next year and the, the breeders who will be selling these RAMs, um, you know, will we'll be participating in that and making sure that people know what RAMs are eligible as well. So that's a very good overview there, uh, Michael, of the Sheep Improvement Scheme. Now, later in the programme, we'll be looking at the care of RAMs and yos post-mating and finishing lambs, etc. But uh, certainly, thank you very much indeed for the introduction to the Sheep Improvement Scheme. Speaking there to Mr. Michael Godstein, Head of Sheep Programme, Knowledge Transfer Department, Chagas Codrum in McCroom, County Cork. Turning now to the care of rams and ewes post-mating. First of all, care of the ram post-mating. What should farmers be doing to ensure their rams live to see another year? I suppose, uh, John, the, the big thing um, with, with rams is that uh, as farmers, I suppose, we're very, very good at looking after rams uh, coming up to the mating season um, and getting them ready for mating. And then the, the rams spend, you know, five, six, seven weeks um, running with yos and lose a lot of weight because they're they're very active um, while they're mating and maybe they do a bit of fighting as well and, and you'll have rams come in with little bits of injuries and maybe they might be a bit lame or young rams will have a parasite burden. Um, so really, look, at rams are expensive and if they're looked after, um, you know, we'd be hoping to get a good few years out of them and if we're not, if they're not looked after, you know, a lot of them mightn't make it through the, the, the winter time. So it's important that when we take up the rams from the O's and lots of farmers have done that and the last few weeks are, are in the process of doing it or we'll be doing it in the next few weeks, that basically you bring in your rams, um, go through them, identify any issues, health issues that they have. So rams that have injuries that need to be attended to, um, you know, things like wounds or, or, you know, rams that are lame that have an infection in their foot, something maybe like foot rot, that that is treated. Um, young rams or so ram lambs that are gone out with the O's for the first time, they they probably need a warm dose. Um, you know, older rams probably don't need a warm dose. And then, okay, liver fluke as well would be an issue. So if they're on having grazing ground where where liver fluke is, is suspected, then a treatment for liver fluke uh, with a product that treats immature fluke would be advised. So that's just getting the health right. And then I suppose the second part of the care of the ram, John, is to look at the the uh, nutrition of those rams. They'll have lost about 15 to 20% of their body weight if they were very active. And this time of the year, grass isn't really great. There isn't a lot of power in grass in terms of putting back um, body condition onto onto animals. So um, a little bit of meal, a little bit of concentrate feed, and I know concentrate feed is very, very expensive. But in the in the the, the scheme of things, um, you know, if you've got a ram there that has cost you five, four, five, six hundred euros, 
spending a little bit of money on meal to make sure that he makes it through to next year is, is money well spent. Uh, the other thing, I suppose, is just grass. They need grass. So, you know, if, if putting them in a paddock and forgetting about them until next spring is not a good idea, especially if there's a lot of grass in that. So where people haven't got adequate grass to keep the rams going, um, then you're probably better off just to house them uh, or give them silage or, or, or an alternative fodder source. And really what we're trying to do is, is get them back up in good condition and they'll be able to winter the, the weather the winter, I suppose, um, quite well then at that stage and they'll be around next year to do the job again. Now, care of the you post mating, we've had a lot of uh, very wet weather, of course, with low grass dry matter and poor grazing conditions. What should farmers be doing to ensure that the ewes don't lose more condition? Yeah, John, so I, I suppose we, we had a great year, really. Um, I suppose in, in West Cork, anyway, we had a good year because it was, we didn't suffer from drought. And we had good growing conditions and, and really good grazing conditions right up until about the first week of October. And and the weather changed. I mean, a lot of people will remember the weather changed there kind of after the first week of October. And, you know, it probably only rained once, but it just never stopped. And, and um, I suppose this is the first dry spell really we've got since then. And, and look, at sheep, sheep don't do terribly well in wet weather, you know. So um, the low dry matter in the grass and the low energy in the grass this time of the year is confounded by the low dry matter and poor grazing conditions. And we would have seen that all through October, um, and November, you know, grass was very wet, ground conditions were very, very poor. And what we see on the better farms, when we look at body condition scores across our farmers that are in the better farm program, is that, you know, your condition is, is just about holding where it was last year on, on, on the best of the farms and probably a little bit back on 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 some of them. So I, I would say yours were probably coming into mating in poorer condition than in previous years. And then I, I would think the weather hasn't done anything in terms of, of keeping that body condition on them. They will have struggled to maintain body condition with the poor grazing conditions. So it's very, very important that farmers don't allow yours to lose more body condition now from now on. Generally, when we pull out the rams, a lot of people will kind of think the job is done and we let the yours there maybe even lose a little bit of weight. There used to be that theory out there years ago that it was beneficial allowing them to lose a little bit of body condition score. Um you know, I, I would say not a great idea this year because a lot of yews are, are, are thinner than we would like them to be. So keep on top of the yews, um, make sure that they have something to eat. And and that's basically all it's down to is, is keeping an eye on the yews. If they haven't got grass um, or adequate grass, you need to supplement them with silage or hay. Um, you know, some of the, we'd say mid-season lowland sheep farmers have already started housing sheep, um, even back as far as a couple of weeks ago. Uh, simply because grazing conditions were, were very, very poor and, you know, those yews are indoors now getting silage and obviously there's a cost associated with that, but there is also a significant cost associated with leaving those yews lose body condition in terms of the performance of those yews next year. They will lamb down in poor condition, they will have a lower milk yield, the lamb performance will suffer next year, their lambs will be lighter at weaning time and harder to finish. So very important that people keep a, keep an eye on that. Not saying to go in with meal feeding or concentrate feeds. It's very expensive and really not something we should be doing in mid-pregnancy, but certainly just making sure that they have enough to eat. Now, finishing lambs, options and main factors affecting lamb thrive in the winter months. So finishing lambs, a few points there, Michael. 
Yeah, so look at um, on some farms there are still tail end lambs, or maybe some farmers have purchased store lambs and are are looking to finish those. And no different to the rams and the yos, I think um, you know store lambs outside won't have done terribly well um, because of the poor grazing conditions. So look at often we get a phone call, John, from farmers that are saying, you know, we've lambs there and they're not doing, and what is it? And there, there's lots of factors, I suppose, that affect lamb performance. And the key ones, I suppose, that people should be keeping an eye out um, now are, are okay, what, what can you realistically expect lambs to do on grass? And generally, it's probably about a half a kilo up to maybe at the very, very best a kilo live weight per week in good grazing conditions with good quality grass. Um, and then I suppose we need to look at this thing, the health side of things. So are lambs lame? If if lambs are lame, they, w- they won't put on weight. They'll probably actually be losing weight. So once you see lambs, um, you know, starting to get lame, it's very important that we get on top of that really quickly and start foot bathing them and treat any ones that are, are, are lame and don't respond to that. And then the whole area of parasites. Okay, so we need to, again, be aware that, you know, if lambs have got bellies full of stomach worms or liver fluke, then those are obviously taking some of those nutrients and, and those nutrients then are not available for the lambs and we should should be kind of looking after that and getting rid of those parasites. Minerals is another area, I suppose, that, that people often talk to talk about and attribute an awful lot of, of poor thrive to minerals. I'm, I'm not 100% convinced that minerals are, are the golden bullet, but certainly, I mean, if you are farming in an area where there is a a mineral deficiency and the lambs are deficient in minerals then supplementing them with that particular mineral um, you should see an improvement now mostly I suppose at this stage farmers will be putting lambs on to concentrate feed and um, that will have a mineral supplement in it uh, so generally there's probably no need to supplement them with extra minerals if they're already getting um, a concentrate just from the economics point of view John, this year, uh, concentrate feed has become very, very expensive. And I think that people would just need to do their budgets on that. I would say it is probably uneconomical to start, you know, heavily feeding lambs on concentrate feed if they're under 38 kilograms live weight. Okay, if these are lambs that we're taking to a full French weight, maybe killing them at kind of 48 to 50 kilos live weight. So uh, the starting point for putting them on an intensive finishing diet where they're getting you know a lot of meal um would be probably 38 kilograms lightweight so we need to try and get them uh, up to that before we start you know housing them and and um putting a lot of feed into them otherwise it's going to get very very expensive thank you very much indeed uh, michael some very important points there regarding uh, sheep welfare of course which can result which will result of course if done properly with more money in the farmer or flock owners' uh, pockets. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Michael Gottstein, Head of Sheep Programme, Knowledge Transfer Department, Chagas Codrum McCroom in County Cork. Thank you, Michael, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. 96 and 103 FM news reporter and farm talk reporter, Miss Marie Tuig, recently spoke to a farmer in Cork who also runs a very successful Christmas tree growing business. My name is Pat Lehan. I am um, living in Douglas in Castle Treasure. And we run uh, uh, we run a Christmas tree farm here, and we grow foliage, and we also have a dry stock a dry stock operation as well. Brilliant! So, Pat, we're we're standing in the midst of a lot of Christmas trees. So, tell me so far this season how how trade is going. Going quite well. 
we're we're up on last year. Yeah, when do you find people traditionally put up their Christmas tree and come looking for a real one? Uh, people have been coming with the past uh, week, week and a half. Uh, some people buy the tree early, so they'll have a good choice and they'll leave the tree outside and put it up uh, two or three weeks before Christmas and the tree lasts very well then that way. And do you find there's still, I suppose, people favour a fake tree? But I presume you'd be pushing to, to go for the real real deal. Well, we think that uh, it's a pity to have a plastic Christmas, that you might as well have the real thing. And um, all these trees are grown locally and they're making a good contribution to absorbing carbon out of the air. And um, where we are standing here now at the moment, we're, 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 we can see across over Cork City, we can see Parky Cueve and we can see Shandon. So that's how local the trees are. We can we're looking across it, uh, and in the distance we can see the we can see the Galtee Mountains. So you couldn't get more local than that. So I think it's um, it's it's great to, for people to come out and see the trees growing on the farm and to be able to pick out and bring the, bring the kids out and get them out into the country air and uh, see how this operation is working. And uh, they they really enjoy picking a tree and taking a bit of time at it and. Um, and, and having a real tree in the house for, the, for, for Christmas, give it a, and make it a real Christmas out of it. And the trees that we're, we're standing around now, like when were they planted? I presume it's been a few years. Yeah, some of them were, some of the, the bigger trees would be 12 years old, uh, down to, we have some trees that were just planted last year, so we have all different ages. Uh, sometimes when, we, when, if the, when the kids look at us cutting the trees and they see the, the rings, well then we can point out how many, how, what age the tree is and the, some some kids are quite fascinated to see that um, that they can judge the age of the tree by counting the rings. So most of the, the trees, the, the average tree that we cut here for uh, for the, the normal six to eight foot market would be around eight, nine, ten years. And I suppose for people coming in, are people in real festive mood now and really looking forward to Christmas? Oh, definitely. And um, it's really a part of Christmas, though, coming out and picking picking a Christmas tree. It's like, it's like going to Senti or whatever. Uh, it's just um, it's part of the fun of Christmas, and uh, we are encouraging it, and we, we we hope to up the amount of trees that we're selling again this year. And uh, we we claim that um, for obvious reasons that the trees that are grown locally and are and are cut fresh are, are a lot better than the trees that are coming in uh, being brought in in pallets, and some of them are left in pallets for too long. So the trees heat, and uh, some of the trees may not be as good as what you'll get that are picked fresh out of the field. We have a practice here that when we cut the trees, we leave them lying down for a day or two. And that the, the, we're not terribly sure how it happens, but the, the, it seems to have a very good effect on the tree. We think it's the way that the, the field heat is allowed to leave the tree before it is actually moved on from there. And um, using that system, we find that the, that the needles stay on and the, the tree stays very fresh right up to Christmas, depending on how, once it's not put on top of a heater or something like that, we find that our trees are lasting very long. Brilliant. And I suppose that's my next question. What kind of tips and advice can you give people to prolong the life of their real tree? Yeah, well, obviously, when you're keeping it away from the warm spot in the house, it's probably the best advice. And um, pick a tree that's, uh, that's fresh when you buy it. There's no point in buying a tree that has been... Uh, that has been cut for a long time and stuck inside in the netted and stuck inside in the pallet for uh, we it could be there for weeks. So I think that when you buy a tree locally and that you know it has been that has been that has been grown uh, and it hasn't been stuck inside in the in the pallet for too long, well that that tree has a much better chance of of, of lasting. 
And I suppose the, these trees, um, you know, have you found people coming in maybe small cars and things trying to, to get these trees into it? Do you have any funny stories that way? <laughs> yeah, well, we've uh, we've rarely failed <laughs> to get a to get a tree. Um, the, the, is, is in, yeah, we've we've managed to. Some people have walked home with trees. Some people have put um, trees inside in sports cars and things sticky out the back. And uh, we've some very interesting photographs of, of people trying to get a bike, uh, trying to get a, 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 a tree up onto the side of a bike and different things like that. So, in the end, if we if we can manage it, we end up having. We, sometimes we just deliver; it's a lot easier. And you're marking a very important milestone this year as well. Tell us a bit about that. Well, it's it's a hundred years since uh, my grandfather bought this farm, and we've been running it as a dairy farm for close to a hundred years. Uh, so this year, it's. Um, it's 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 just a bit of a milestone for us that we've been farming here for a hundred years, and we have uh, we have the fifth generation now walking around, uh, getting involved in the business. So I think it's just a nice it's nice to have 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 made that uh, to made that um, that hundred years. It's 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 just it's good that um, we have the fifth generation that's showing a bit of interest, even though they're very young. That's brilliant. And how long have you been growing the Christmas trees here? Well, we've been growing Christmas trees back in. Um, back in West Cork and Kerry for probably 30 years but we started growing them here I think it was around 15 years ago and we started uh, retailing here six years ago and it's working up from there. I suppose for a lot of us that like Christmas starts you know kind of mid-November, December but for you it probably starts a lot earlier in the year. Well the trees need care the whole year round. Um, weed control and making sure that they're the proper shape and that type of thing. Uh, June is actually a very busy time for, for managing Christmas trees because if they grow too fast, then you'll have a big open tree. So there's a lot of control when the tree does most of its growing in that six weeks. So there's, there's a lot of work goes in for the whole year. and uh, But this time of year, obviously, is the busiest. The hectic time here for our harvest. So hopefully we'll get reasonably good weather and that, um, and that we'll have a good harvest. And tell me, how can people get in contact to arrange to, to get a Christmas tree here? Well, we're here up the top of Dannyburg Hill um, in Castle Treasure. So we're, we're open from 12 o'clock to, to 7 every day during the week. And the weekends we're open from 9 until 7. So we're here. We're here. We'll be open at that time. And um, we're on the internet. And um, I, th- I think if you get on the internet and put in Castle Treasure Christmas trees, you'll certainly, that'll direct you directly to, 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 to where the farm is. And you can come up, walk around, pick out your tree, and um, you won't be disappointed. And thank you, Mary Tuig, for that report. Mary Tuig, 96.3 FM news reporter and farm talk reporter, speaking to Mr. Pat Lahan, Castle Treasure Christmas Trees near Douglas in Cork City. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony, news editor, 96.3 FM news, and Mary Tuig, 96.3 FM news reporter and farm talk reporter, for contributing to the show again this week. A special thank you to you, the listener, of course, most importantly, for tuning in. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.